we begin a week or a message today with a little story and have a little fun. This is a, a, a note that a dad got that he was surprised from his teenage son when he came down the stairs on a Saturday morning. The note was left by the son, and the dad grabbed the note off the kitchen counter that morning, and it read, Dear Dad, I want to let you and Mom know that I've decided to drop out of school and get my own place with my new girlfriend, Trixie. Yeah. I know you guys don't know her that well, but she makes a great living as a dancer. We found an abandoned trailer across town, and with a few repairs, Dad, we know it's going to make a great home. Not only that, but turns out there's some marijuana that grows right in the backyard. Go figure. So now we've started our business, and the money's really rolling in, which is good. Because with Trixie now being pregnant, um, <laughs> we're going to need some additional income. By the way, never thought you'd be a grandpa at 39, did you? Ha ha. <laughs> By the way, Dad, nothing in this letter is true. I just wanted you to see that there are worse things in life than a bad report card. P.S. <laughs> P.S. Call me when it's safe to come home. Okay? Yeah. So, uh, to all the dads, I'm so excited. If you're not new, you already know this is coming, but if you're new, we're, we're, many times we do series where we teach on topics or things in the Bible that have themes. This summer, we're, we chose the miracles of Jesus. But what I love is we didn't just choose maybe your standard, typical ones that you hear a lot about, but we're choosing ones that are maybe you've never heard about or don't even know about. So, to, to kick off today, I'm just going to tell you a quick story about me and share a shortcoming. I'm going to get vulnerable right away. That for me, when it comes to miracles, and I think I could include my wife in this too because she would probably say, for us, it's a miracle in the Gannon family when we like either buy an indoor plant or, 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 or plant outdoor plants and they live. And they live. So it, it, I don't know, maybe you get the green thumb. I don't have the green thumb. It, it's not good. So to illustrate, last fall, we, we, we bought four uh, flowering plants. Beautiful, big, huge, blooming uh, flowers. And we bought them and we put them, uh, you know, landscaping in the backyard of our house or by the house. And I remember the person at the store was like, you think they're beautiful now. You wait till next spring. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till next spring. And, but yet I know that we struggle keeping things alive. So I remember planting them last fall, and the neighbor's like, hey, because he, he noticed them. He's like, what kind of flowers are those? And I didn't say it, but I thought in my head, they're the kind that'll be dead next spring. That's what kind they are. But I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I kept, was trying to be positive. I plant them. Spring comes, and boom, there they are. And I, because I can't illustrate to you, like, through words what they look like, I love you so much, I dug one up and brought it to show you. So, behold... That's one of them. That, I, call it, I call it the non-blooming dead sticks in the dirt plant. I mean, it's, that's, I got three more in the ground at home. I'll put them on park, mark, marketplace later. You can have at it. So that's what I do. This is, when it comes to miracles, I think one is needed here. But I love the story. By the way, I'll use this to my advantage too. I'll show the kids. I said, you see what your dad is capable of? Don't, don't mess with me. I mean, I'll take you yeah, you know. So, but I, uh. It's ironic because the miracle that we're going to look at together today revolves around a dead plant. And, and it's a miracle that some of you, are right, 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 now, right now you're thinking, oh, I know which one. But others are thinking, I have no idea. But here's what you need to know. The, the message title is called The Antidote 
for failure. And if you're breathing and your heart is beating, I know that you've experienced failure in your life. And I'm here to tell you, this message, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm glad you're here. You picked a great weekend to be part of the Bride of Christ because the Lord is going to speak boldly to you. And I promise you, he'll move through you if you let him. I'm preaching out of the gospel, that word just means good news, um, out of Mark 11, and I'm starting in the 12th verse. Love when you bring your Bible, love when you get your mobile app. I love, love, love it, because the Lord's going to speak directly to you. If you don't have those things, we'll put it up on the screen. Let me set it up, though. Jesus' public ministry, Mike, was about three, three plus years, and during that time, he had his 12 disciples, and they went and did a lot of crazy things like they did on this day. This takes place really in the last week of Jesus' life on earth. Uh, he, about a week, not about a week left, it is a week left. It's, it's Sunday, let me set it up, it was Sunday, the week before uh, the big day, um, and Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. We call it Palm Sunday, it's what we know it as, because they laid down palms, and, oh, pray, and they were praising Jesus. They were like, our king has come, and Jesus was all out everything. Popularity at an all-time high. He rides into Jerusalem on the donkey, he gets off the donkey, the, him and his buddies, his, his 12 disciples, they go to um, Bethany? I'm, 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 yeah, Bethany. They go to Bethany, which is like two miles away, and that's where they spend the night. Now we pick up the story. That means it's Monday morning. You ready? Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. The next morning after that crazy, awesome Palm Sunday, they're leaving Bethany. Jesus was hungry, right? He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he goes over to it to see if he could find any figs. A fig is like a fruit. They, but there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Jesus gets a little weird and starts speaking to the shrub. Jesus says to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples are like, what in the world? Did you put some in Jesus' coffee? This, I mean, he's being weird this morning. Like, why is he talking to that? It says the disciples heard him, all of them. So you know Jesus is speaking pretty loudly as he, like, rebukes this tree. Anyway, they, they, they go from that fig tree onto Jerusalem. They arrive. Jesus enters the temple, and he begins to drive out all the people that were buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over tables of money changers and chairs, and those selling doves, word of God says, he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. You know why Jesus is so mad, don't you? Remember, he's still hungry. So now he's not just hungry and angry. He's, yeah, you know it. He's hangry. That is not good. So, so Jesus hasn't ate yet. No fruit, no figs. He's thrown stuff around. And he says to the people that have turned it into a marketplace, the scripture declares that my temple, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. I love that. How inclusive is Jesus? A house of prayer for all nations. But you've turned it into a den of thieves. So what Jesus is really saying here, it was pretty common that, that people would maybe offer animals and doves and birds to sacrifice. But what they would do is these thieves would jack up the price so much, you know, it's like when you go to a concert. I mean, Jake and I just went to a Chili Peppers concert not that long ago. And t-shirts, 60 bucks. At the concert, we were smart enough to get them on Amazon. I mean, they were not giving them away. Give it away. Give it away now. And that just worked with 
the chili. It don't matter. So, um, so, so it, the, the, they, they just jacked up the prices. Jesus had had it, and he's hangry. Verse 18, when the leading priests and teachers saw what was going down, they heard what Jesus had done. Look at this. They began planning on how to kill him. Jesus is getting a lot of attention. Jesus is making a lot of noise. Jesus has a lot of followers. Jesus has a lot of power. Yeah, the government, the politics, they haven't changed a whole lot, you know? And money, he's taking their money because he's kicking them out. Money and power, and they're taking it. So, so they want to kill him. But they were afraid because the people were so amazed at Jesus' teaching. That evening, here we go again, Jesus and the disciples leave the city again. The next, you know, they went back to Bethany again. Probably staying with Mary and Martha. The next morning, and Lazarus, who just, yeah. So the next morning, as they passed that same tree, here's the tree, that Jesus had cursed, the disciples noticed that the tree had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree the previous day. He's like, look, teacher, look, rabbi, the fig tree that you cursed, it's withered and died. And Jesus is like, mm-hmm. I know Peter, but Peter's like just amazed. It, it's crazy because I never thought about it like this before, but, but the plant obeyed Jesus. Jesus cursed the plant, and the plant died. If you think about the life of Jesus, it's, it's really crazy how creation obeys the creator. Do you know that the weather obeys Jesus, if you read scripture? The water obeys Jesus. The, the, the rocks obey Jesus. The wind obeys Jesus. Plants obey Jesus. How much different would our life look if we, on a consistent basis, did what creation did? Verse 22, then Jesus said to the disciples, after Peter said, look, it's dead. Jesus is like, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may it be lifted up and thrown in the sea, and it'll happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt, say no doubt, no doubt in your heart. The miracle I've never heard it preached on before. That's why I was excited to pull it apart and get with God and hear what he had to say about it. Because it was so abstract. Jesus is, is like, what's going on? Why is Jesus so upset with the tree? You know what's crazy? The tree didn't do anything wrong. If you, if you caught what I read, it, was the, it, was, it said it was too early in the season for it to even bear fruit. So it, it, the tree did nothing wrong. It's like, what's really happening here? And by the way, Jesus, this whole miracle that you did, like, it goes against your character. Don't you, like, bring things to life? Aren't you a life giver? You could have, you could have brought the tree life. You could have produced figs. By the way, side note, I, this is the only instance in Jesus' miracles, besides, besides 2,000 pigs going over a cliff and drowning in, in, in a sea, this is the only instance where Jesus uses his miraculous power to destroy something in nature. It's interesting. Scholars don't understand how cats somehow slid under the radar. We don't know. So, kind of settle down. My gosh, I haven't made fun of cats in a while. So, I was due. I don't, I don't mind cats from a distance, okay? So, uh, but, but, but that's what makes this miracle so unique. But I need you to do me a favor. I need to turn to 
for you to turn to your neighbor and say, it's not about the tree. Tell, tell your neighbor, it's not about the tree. It's not about the tree. Now tell your other neighbor, the one you ignored the first time, say, it's about me. Say, it's about me. See, it's not about the tree. It's about me. It's about what the tree represents. When you understand the context of what's really happening here, remember what I said. Jesus is at the end of his ministry on earth physically. He has a week left. So, so what's really going on here, you really need to understand the whole context. The fig tree, I'll tell you what it, what it first and foremost symbolizes. The nation of Israel. If you don't know the Bible narrative, it's cool. I'm glad you're here. That's why we come and learn together, right? The Old Testament, the Old Covenant, before Jesus came to earth as a human, the narrative was, well, God's always the center, but the Israelite people, their plight to, to be this representative of God, of God's people. And um, they, the, the Israelite nation represents the fig tree. I tell you that because the Bible says it all over the place. I could give you, I could read out of Jeremiah, I, Hosea, I'll give you one. The prophet Hosea wrote this. The Lord says, O Israel, when I first found you, it was like finding fresh grapes in the desert. When I saw your ancestors, it was like seeing the first ripe figs of the season. We continue. But then they deserted me for Baal Peor, that is just a god that they would worship that wasn't even real, giving themselves to that shameful idol. Soon they became, Israel, Israelites, became vile, as vile as the god, that Baal Peor god, whoever that was, that they worshipped. It, it, it's interesting because you see the correlation, but what I also notice in the scripture, God isn't pointing out sin as much as he's pointing out the root cause. See, sin in your life is a symptom. There, there's something deeper. See, idolatry is the root cause. Okay? Sin is the symptom, but God's not really, God's calling out idolatry. That shameful idol. And that idol that would cause them to go away from God causes them to then go to the symptom of sin. Which is what happened. And when I talk too much and don't touch my computer, it'll shut off. So, as that happens, be patient with me. I, I don't get it. Why do I just, why not just use paper? Because I like the, okay. Oh, pin number. You guys love technology. Okay. Okay. Here we go. So idolatry is the root cause. Now, should you confess your sin? Yes. Absolutely. But you can't just confess your sin. You also must dethrone the idol. It's what you must do. And we've said it before. What's an idol? I'm not going to park here too much. But it is, it is important that you know. An idol is anything or anyone who you give more time or attention to than you do God. A, one, one guy told me once, another pastor said, it's what really excites you. So think about what really excites you. Keep it PG-13, okay? We're in church, we're in church. But what really excites you, that's, that's who or what you worship. Like this season is crazy because a lot of people that I know, and I'm not saying this is an idol, but they're really excited about something that I've never comprehended, and that's camping. Like I don't get it. And they're very, very excited about it. I think to myself, if you're going to have an idol... Why would it be pretending to be homeless? But I, there's things I don't understand. So, that's neither here nor there. So, from, so back to our main narrative. Back to that fig tree story. 
there's two lessons that I believe that God was teaching the disciples and that God wants to teach us. They're really just two words. I'm going to keep it simple. The first is in the title. It's failure. Say failure. You've all experienced it, and so have I. The Israelites experienced it as well. I wrote down Israel had failed to be fruitful for God. They failed to be fruitful to God. God set them apart to be an example, to show what it means to truly love God, to live for God, and make an impact for God. Make no mistake, God wants to produce fruit in the lives of his people. It's what he wants to do, it's what he wanted to do in Israel, and it's what he wants to do in you and in me. And some of you, right now in this moment, you're experiencing a failure in your life. Maybe in, in a relationship, maybe with your, your kids, or maybe in a job, or, or maybe just in your walk. For Israel, their failure was their finish line. It was. It doesn't have to be yours. See, your, your mess-ups and your mistakes and your failures, they are events, okay? And, it, and an event doesn't have the power to define you. Only your Heavenly Father has the power to define you. Remember that. That doesn't define me. Dang it, I will plant again, Tim. I will plant again. And it might die, and I'll just keep going. So, so I'm making this quick. Failure is a lesson. That, that, that Jesus was teaching with the fig tree. And now we get to the, the, the one that's more fun to talk about. Say faith. Faith. Did you, did you catch what Jesus said after Peter said, Hey, look, Rabbi, the, the tree you talked to yesterday, dead. It's, it's like, like, look at it. Do you remember Jesus' response? If you don't, I'm going to tell it to you. It was so, like, it seemed like such a left turn. Jesus doesn't address the tree at all. He mentions nothing about the tree or the roots or the figs. Nothing. It's like he just completely changes subjects, but he doesn't. Here's what Jesus said. Gosh, where did I put it? Where are we? Okay, so. Yeah, it's up on the screen. I know. Read it to me. I need to know. So, Mark eleven twenty one. 21. I love you. Mark eleven twenty one. 21. Peter remembered what Jesus had said, and Peter's like, look, Rabbi. The fig, the fig tree you cursed it had died and withered. And Jesus says to the disciples, have faith in God. What? Have faith in God? I mean, I, Jesus, I'm just pointing out that that tree, this shrub here, yeah, I mean, is dead. That's it. And Jesus is like, oh, have faith in God. Hmm. Have faith in God. I wrote it down, and this is, this is, this is for you and for me. The antidote... The medicine for failure is just that. Why do we complicate it? The antidote for failure is faith in God. Oh, we need to go deeper than that. No, we don't. We need to understand what faith is, and we're going to get to that. But I'm telling you, Jesus was so... I bet they're expecting some, oh, it's, it's, now what is this? And this? Yeah, it represents Israel, but it represents you too when you let failure be your finish line. Have faith in God. Continually trust your king. Continually depend on God. That's what he's saying. I love it so much. So, if you think about this, if the antidote or the medicine is faith, I want as much of that as that as possible. Don't you? 
Like, if I'm failing or if, I, if my body is failing, if something is wrong, if I'm sick, if something is hurt, or cut, I want medicine on hand. So how can we store up our faith? How can we get faith? I'm glad you asked the question. Jesus tells us. The Word of God tells us. How do we get it? Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing the Word of? That's why it's so valuable that you're here. And so important that you're here and that you're taking it in. But don't be deceived. I can give you all the medicine you want, Mike, for your back, and I can give it to you. But if you don't apply it, nothing happens. If you don't take it, nothing happens. You have it. You've been given the antidote. But, but it's when you apply it that that, that that faith turns into fruit. Does that make sense? See, it, it, it's when you... Gosh, how can I say it where it makes sense? When you take in the word of God and then you, you, you love somebody and you expect nothing in return. That's applying the antidote. When you, when you actually join maybe a group with other people, you get deeper into the word and, and you start learning from each other, getting vulnerable with each other, and then, and then living out what you're learning, that's applying the antidote. When you, when you start inviting and sharing your faith because you cannot keep it to yourself, that's the antidote. See, that's when you go from, from just like coming to church to being the church. After all, Jesus didn't just say, hey, come and attend me. Jesus said, come and follow me. And when you follow Jesus, you will produce fruit. It will happen. It, you don't have to force it. But you got to apply it. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. I've got the antidote. I need to take it in. I need to apply it to my life. This is so important. So, repeat after me. Say, faithful people, faithful people are fruitful people. And they are. Faithful equals fruitful. Faithful equals fruitful. When you apply the antidote, the caveat, when you apply the antidote, Throughout this series, this is week three, God has continually shown me things that I've never seen before. I've read this scripture many times, never preached on it before today. And, I, and I'm going through and God is just showing me what, what I'm telling you and it hits me. And I got, I got to share it with you. It's one verse and, and, and just check it out. Mark eleven twenty. 20. It, it's again the same one we've talked about twice now. That next morning, they're passing by the fig tree again. It's dead. And it says the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Hmm. It's interesting. Anytime something spiritually is dying, anytime someone is spiritually dying, anytime a group or a church is spiritually dying, it normally always happens from the roots up. What, what does that mean? It means that it, ha it starts in the places you can't see. And ultimately, it moves to the places you can see. But by the time it moves to the places you can see, man, nothing's a lost cause with Jesus. But I'm telling you what, it's pretty hard to resurrect this. From the roots up, I, I, when marriages fail, and then we're like, I can't believe their marriage failed. It looks so good. Of course it looked good on Instagram. Of course it looked good on Facebook. Of course it looked good. The, but the roots have been dying for a long time. It withered from the roots up. Think about Jesus when he spoke to the fig tree that first day. And he's like, may, may you never bear fruit again. May, may no one eat from you again. 
The fig tree didn't change. It was, to, it was the next day they saw that it was withered. But, but here's, this is just for me now. I'll almost bet you, as soon as Jesus spoke to that fig tree, the root started to die. And it's dying. It's dying. It's dying. And the next day, this is what they see. They didn't see it happen right away. They left to Jerusalem, and it wasn't, it looked good still. It wasn't good. Huh. I'll, I'll, for me personally, this, maybe this hit me so deep because of my, my, my past and addiction. But, and you don't have to be an addict to relate to this, I promise you. Anything that's a failing or dysfunctioning or, or going awry in your life, there is a pattern from the roots up. I'll share it with you. When I was in rehab the second time, I mean, it was so fun the first time, I thought, why not go again? So when I was in rehab the second time, I remember talking to my, my, one of my counselors, and, and he showed me this. I didn't know who he was like. I didn't know it was biblical, but it certainly is from the roots up. And here's what he said. Check connection. Yeah, I'll connect you. Um, what in the world? So here's what he said. He said, when did it first start to drift? When did you first start to like really go down a road that you never dreamed you would end up at? And a destination you would never want for anybody. Do you know where it started? Spiritually. The roots are the spiritual. So, so it's when my family and I, and I own it as the father, as the dad, as a spiritual leader, which I was not but should have been, we weren't going to church. I wasn't in the word of God. We would throw a meal up before prayer and I'd maybe say a 10 second prayer before bed and I'd read to my kids some other fairy tale story. That was it. It started spiritually. Now, from the outward, none of you would know it. No one would know it. I, even the family, even we didn't recognize it. And we were, the, we were the plant. We were it. We were dying from the roots up. Do you know where it goes from spiritually? That's the first thing to die. You drift from God. You drift from the word. You drift from godly people. You drift from the church. And all of a sudden, emotionally is the next one. So, so spiritually, then your emotions start to go. At least it did for me. Now more people can recognize it. Man, when you're up and down and, you, you know, you're uh, an emotional wreck and you can't keep things together and things emotionally are out of control, people close to you kind of recognize something's off, man. Something's mad. I mean, my wife and I run into counselors. I knew what was going on by then, but she didn't. She just knew something emotionally was very, very wrong. By the time it was really said and done, it was impacting physically. When I was physically addicted to a substance that I couldn't stop taking, it was done. Roots were long gone. Emotions were completely jacked up. But by, by the time it gets to here, everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. Something's wrong. But the problem is, by the time it gets to here, you are in deep trouble. You are in a sad state. And many people don't come back from this. I know a lot of them. You don't want... So, spiritually, the roots up. Spiritually, emotionally, physically. Do you see the progression? It's important you recognize that. And the last thing it's important you recognize in the story is this. When Jesus cursed the fig tree and was speaking to it, and that whole thing was going down, I guarantee you, one of the first things the 12 disciples would have thought of is a parable that Jesus told. This, he's at the end of his ministry here. Remember, a week left in his life on earth. As soon as he talked to that fig tree and like, may you not, you know, and it dies, here's what they would have thought of. Luke 13. I'll read, it's just three, three or four verses. Luke, Luke 13, 6 through 9. This happened previously. Jesus tells a story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden. 
And he, and he came again and again to see if there were, was fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to the gardener, I've waited three years for this thing. There hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. And the gardener answers, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year. I'll give it special attention. I'll give it plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. And then if we don't, you can cut it down. Here's what's so crazy about that parable that many of us would read, gloss over, and not even remember we ever read it. Jesus leaves it open-ended. I don't know how it ends for that fig tree. I know how it ends for that one. I just don't know about this one. Did the tree make it? Did, did the special attention and care and fertilizer help it? Or did it get cut down? Here's the great news for you and me. We get to close the story ourselves. We get to finish the parable. See, we get to write it. We have a stake in it. Jesus is giving us an opportunity, I believe today. I write the closing. And, 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 the, and, the, and the phrase that really gets me in that, in that parable, give it one more chance. I tell you what, anybody here that's ever been given another chance by a loved one, you know you've been given more by God, by people in your life. And here's the kicker, when you don't deserve it. Father's Day weekend. Yesterday, my son Jake and I come to the church. I said, come with me. We'll do, we'll, we had to measure something really quick for something. I said, It'll just, I said, you can help. You know, he's not overly excited about it. But I said, come on, you can do it. It won't take long. So we get here to the church. And we, we come in. And the auditorium, uh, it... Let's just say it was uh, messy. It, it hadn't been touched since last Sunday. And the cups and papers. You people, you get messy sometimes. But anyway, we'll talk about that another time. So, so there, and it was nobody's fault. It was a miscommunication between the cleaning team and whatever. So no one was really to blame. But on a Saturday afternoon, it's, you don't have time to, hey, let's, it's just, you, sometimes you just got to roll up your sleeves. So I'm like, so I'm, you know, I'm like, all right, Jake, you start straightening those up. I'll start doing this and that and. We're here for quite some time doing all this. And he gets done doing his thing, and I'm still <laughs> mopping coffee spills or whatever. And, and I'm sweating, and Jake's like, are we done? And we're standing up right, right up in this area. And he says, are we done? And, and, you know, father of the year, I said, no, we're not done. I said, we're probably just getting started. I said, and then I said, I said, what do you, I said why, is so, why is hard work so difficult for you? That's what I said. In church, I know, you're pastor. Aren't you lucky to have me? So... Gosh, I just, I don't know why I say, so, so I, and we're sitting right here, like I'm there, he's here, and, and I can just see the look on his, on his face when I said that, and I said, don't, why can't you just do hard work once, and I walk towards the room to grab a broom, who knows, grab what, and he's still sitting here, and I'm getting ready to turn around and say something to him, because I'm like, he's still sitting, and I turn around and I watch him, and I didn't say anything, and he didn't see me, but he reaches in his pocket, because we're sitting right here, he sees the one for one. And he reaches in his pocket and grabs his wallet and pulls out money and shoves it in there. I'm like, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? I just was like, oh. So I'm like, Jake, I'm sorry. You don't, I'm just frustrated too and I should have never. You know what he says? Gives my dad another chance. He says, dad, it's okay. And it's not, but he said, it's okay. 
He said, I know how important it is that the church is clean for the people. And then I wanted to say, well, it's important that your bedroom is clean too. But it wasn't the time. It wasn't the time. That was not the time. To be given another chance. Some of you, that's all you need to do. Another chance. Golly, he did that. In our failures, in our mess, in our bad decisions, God says, I'll give you another chance. Seize this moment right here, right now. Don't worry about what's going to happen after this. Seize this moment. If you're here, that means that you haven't withered up yet. That means that, that, that you're still alive, I'm telling you. And if you're not dead, your God is not done. He's still working on you too. He's still working on you. He's not done with you. Oh my, my kid teaches me more lessons than I teach him, I swear. So, Let's close this out. The fig tree looked good from a distance, didn't it? Jesus got up personal, just like he gets up personal with us and he examined it. And when he examined it, examined it, he noticed that it wasn't good. There were no figs, so he curses the tree. I'm meeting with a, I met with a woman this week, hearing more of her story, and it was so amazing. It was so pertinent to the message because we were talking about our our purpose groups are you'll hear more about those that's our discipleship process where we walk with you and really intentionally help you grow they're huge they only happen once like a year september to september so they're coming up and four people gather and they get in the word of god and they journal and they get vulnerable and so so why i say that is because here's what she told me about her purpose group and it blew me away she said i wrote down first of all i said we're masters at hiding it right? It starts at the root, but we'll hide it because no one knows up here what's going on. We hide it, we mask it, we cover it up. And here's what I, and she said, she said there was a point at Purpose Group where she couldn't really contain it anymore. Like things were happening, but by the time Purpose Group, she, it was coming out. Like they could tell something was wrong. And I texted her, I said, can I share that with the congregation? Because it's so pertinent. And she said, you can, but that's, but she added, she said, I'll say though, it wasn't that way most of the time. There wasn't anything normally visibly wrong. It was because we were consistently meeting, kind of like seeing your school friends every day. That gave the purpose group an opportunity to see where there were cracks, inconsistencies in my life. And it, this is what got me. And it took till close to the halfway point, that's six months, six months to really understand how I was blocking myself from opening up, from showing them what was really going on. See, discipleship takes time. You don't put it in a two-hour class or a membership where you sign a roll and I'm a member. It takes time. She, she was just solidifying in my head how important it is. By the way, fig trees, it takes three years before a fig tree will even produce fruit. You know why? Because the roots have to grow down. It has to get healthy here before it can be healthy here. So crucial that we get this. I... I, I called someone or text someone in the church that said put out some purpose group information today so we have booklets that talk about life group purpose group what's the difference big difference and there's books out there on a table grab one when you leave please in two and a half months they're gearing up and i'm telling you they are a game changer in our church so with that said when your roots grow down deep you're going to start to build faith and trust in god and I close with a scripture from Jeremiah that sums it all up no better than, I, better than I ever could. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. 
The word of God, it's being heard by you right now. Take in the antidote. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees, they're not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. No, no, no. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. I'm telling somebody the antidote is faith in God. And faithful people are fruitful people. If you believe it, tell God and give him a shout. He's the one it comes from. He's the only one that can turn it around. He's the only one that can turn your situation around. What's dead in your life? You're going to give it to God today. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was sent by God. The gardener came. God sends the gardener. And the gardener does what the gardener has to do. He, he, he dies because we mess up. What's so crazy about the gospel story is Jesus dies to, to, to take away our sins. And I thought about it. We need that. We need Jesus so desperately to live. Just like a plant needs light, air, and water. Without, without one of those components, it's, it's going to end up like this. Dead as dead can be. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Come follow me and you will not walk in darkness. Jesus said, I, I am, I am living water. Drink from me and you'll never thirst again. In Acts, after Jesus has risen from the dead, he shows up to those disciples. And you know what he does? He breathes on them. Air. Breath. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. We need an indwell, a fresh indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. I came to tell somebody, if you don't have Christ in here, you're already dead. And you know it. It's like trying to produce fruit. You never will. It's impossible unless the seed is in you. That seed is Christ. He did rise from the dead. He did. And because of that, that greatest miracle, you can sell out to it by calling on his name, asking him to save you and set you free, forgive your sins, and his Holy Spirit will enter into you and save you and set you free. And that's just the beginning. You can mark a card, let us know. You can come tell me, tell a prayer warrior. I don't care how you do it. Do it. You can't earn your way to heaven. You'll never be good enough and neither will your pastor. I proved that yesterday, didn't I? Fallen. I'll give you another chance. Today, we've been given another chance. Purpose groups, I hope you'll check them out online or grab a book. You need to know the discipleship process and the growth process of your church because it's yours. It's for you and for me. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, oh, man, how you can take a story of a tree and teach us you love the nation of Israel. They were set apart. And they, they, they fell short, God. You still love them, but they fell short. We are that now. You're representative if you're in us. Yet we fall short many days. Today we're given an, even another chance, God. I pray this just isn't another day, isn't just another Father's Day, isn't just another Sunday, but this is the day you've made it. We're going to rejoice, but we're going to apply the antidote. Faith, we're hearing it now, the word of God. That's, that's the easy part. 
The antidote is everywhere. Few people will ever put it on or ever take it in. Uh, Meadows will never be few people. Those few people will be your few people. God, I pray for people in the room. There are those that are hearing the gospel that Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose from the dead. And if they believe that by faith and accept the grace of that death and resurrection, they can be saved and set free. Not by anything they do, but because of what already has been done for them on an, on an empty cross and in an empty tomb. God, I pray they sell out to it today. And for people that need to lean in because they've been coming for a while, but they really have not pressed in and really have not applied any antidote, and, and, and they're ready to grow. They're ready to really be challenged and vulnerable like that woman was this week. Six months, you don't microwave it, God. You got to crockpot it. It takes time. You spent three years with the disciples, and you're the greatest teacher, the greatest master, <laughs> the greatest example of a leader there ever was. And you could have took three minutes with them, but you didn't because love takes time. Leadership takes growth, takes time. roots, take time. God, we love you. We thank you. Your church medals will always be. be centered on your son Jesus the fact that he gives us another chance the fact that he comes for fallen people like the pastor and I always say if, if God can resurrect a dead man like me what, it, what does he want to do in the rest of this church sitting here right now watching right now listening right now if we lean in and we apply the antidote and take it in the best is yet to come in Jesus name I pray and the church says amen hey I want to thank you so much for watching today but don't stop there i want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video update or message but not only that share this message with a friend i mean there are so many people out there hurting struggling and you have the ability to make an impact in their life and finally if you're if you live in the omaha area i want to encourage you come join us on a weekend service we would love love to meet you god bless you